There's a professor at Regent College, an incredible man. His name is Gordon Fee. I heard one guy call him or describe him as scholar on fire. He's a true scholar, incredible theologian, and uh, a man passionate about the things of the Spirit. Some of his work and articulation on the Holy Spirit and Kingdom of God theology is super helpful. Commend it to you wholeheartedly. And uh, I think he has the most succinct definition of the Holy Spirit. We can all remember this. I hope that if anything you leave tonight having a moment with God in worship, a moment receiving prayer, and you'd remember these three words. The Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. God's empowering presence. Maybe you can whisper that to yourself for the sake of like, you know, getting it in your brain, getting those words kind of floating around there so you don't forget that. Who's the Holy Spirit? It's God's empowering presence. And it's a really helpful definition. It's God. The Holy Spirit is God. First and foremost, the Holy Spirit is God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity. God is Trinitarian in nature. He's relational in nature. The Holy Spirit is not um, a side project of God. It's not an ambiance or force or just the like implication of when God's in the room. No, the Holy Spirit is God himself. God. The Holy Spirit is God. And one of the amazing things that scripture reveals to us about God is that God is a person. He's not human, but he's a person, which means he has emotion and will, preference. Isn't that fascinating? Sometimes we think about God, or at least I do, as like a robot in the sky, like just zeros and ones. But that's not what, how God's revealed in scripture. God is personal. He's got a will and a desire. And that's really important that we understand that about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit goes wherever the Holy Spirit wants to go. However, because he's a person, he often goes where he's most wanted. Some people are frustrated by the idea that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. I guess it's okay if it frustrates you. It's just how he is. He's a person who can be grieved. Grieved by unrighteousness. Grieved by sin. Grieved by self-dependency. The Holy Spirit can go wherever the Holy Spirit wants to go. It doesn't need permission. However, the Holy Spirit, like a person, goes where he's wanted. And we want to be a house, a family, a community who, whenever the Holy Spirit thinks of us, thinks, I'm wanted there. The Holy Spirit is God. God. The Holy Spirit is God. And it's God's empowering presence. This idea of empowering is very important. All of the things that God has asked us to do, we cannot do in our own strength. He's the helper. One of my favorite pictures for this is in the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, um, there was a, a runner named Derek Redman. And you can Google this later. Look it up on YouTube. Look up Derek Redman, 400-meter run. And he was um, named the most likely to win. And as he's running, he, his hamstring snaps. And you can see kind of the like, just the pain. And the most fascinating thing happens as he's just struggling in so much pain, all of a sudden there's this commotion in the crowd. It's really fascinating to watch. You should totally look this up later. There's this commotion in the crowd and this man runs out of the crowd and starts running towards Derek Redman. And it turns out this is Derek Redman's father. So Derek's dad comes bursting through security into the crowd and then comes underneath him and brings him close. And you've got to watch it closely because two things happen. One is 
Derek Redmond's dad holds him for strength and they begin to walk together towards the finish line. But there's a second moment where it's like for Derek, he realizes what his father has done and he sobs into his arms. And it's a picture of intimacy and dependency. And I think this is a powerful picture of how the Holy Spirit comes alongside us. It's like the race of faith, the race of life, the race of serving Jesus in our time, impossible in our own strength. But the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, the helper comes alongside. And when we realize his nature, not only are we experiencing him as helper, but also as friend. It's not just his strength that lifts us up, it's also the intimacy that lets our head fall towards him. I'm held and I'm helped. I'm held and I'm helped. God's empowering presence. I wrote down a list of different things that the Holy Spirit does to empower us. And this is not a comprehensive list. I'm sure if we could put a whiteboard up, we could add more to the list together. But here are a few things that we find through Scripture. The Holy Spirit gives us power to know who we are. There's a war for identity. Who are we? Who are we? One of our team members, Somi, came up and shared a picture and a word during worship. I invited a bunch of people to do that. And um, so thankful for the different words that people have shared. She said, this picture of family, this incredible invitation in one of the loneliest cities in the world, this invitation of family. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does help us know our identity, that we're sons and daughters of God, that we belong. There's a recent book that came out for teenagers about how to reach and help teenagers. And one of the main things that research says again and again and again, generation after generation, whether it's millennials or Gen Z or Gen Alpha, that one of the main things that teenagers want to know is where do I belong? And it's a question of identity. And in the Holy Spirit helps us, gives us power to know who we are in Christ, that we are God's kids and we belong to his family, that we're chosen, that we're set apart, that we're loved, that we're priests. The Holy Spirit gives us power. Romans 8, 16 says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. It's a work of the Holy Spirit to testify with our spirit. What else? The Holy Spirit gives us power to know God's love. How can we know the love of God? Scripture talks about the love of God that, you know, surpasses understanding. It's, too, you know, it's high and it's wide and it's deep. It's like the love of God. And this is how Paul, the pastor in the New Testament, prays in for the church in Ephesus. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together. Power, 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 that you would have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Think about that. Paul understands, the Apostle Paul understands the reality that we can't grasp the love of God without supernatural intervention. Wow. Holy Spirit, God's empowering presence. He gives us power to know who we are and to grasp God's love for us. What I love more than anything, more than anything, more than provision for money or healing for physical wounds, although I believe for that, the thing I want most for each one of you is that you would grasp God's love for you. Because I think it would set you free. The Holy Spirit gives us power to have peace and bring peace. The Holy Spirit gives us power to have the words to say. Now we're talking about mission, a life on mission. 
In Luke chapter 12, Jesus says to his disciples, when you're brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, don't worry about how you'll defend yourself or what you'll say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. The Holy Spirit not just gives us the words, but also the boldness and courage to speak boldly. In Acts chapter 4, the believers are in the midst of great persecution, and it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke boldly. How do we have power to speak? He gives us the words. How do we have courage to do it? He gives us boldness. The Holy Spirit is God's power and presence. He gives us power to become like Christ. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out. Galatians chapter five speaks of the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What is it the fruit of? Human effort, discipline. Those things are fine, they're good, but they're the result of the Spirit's work in our lives. He's God's empowering presence, empowers us to know we're loved, to know our identity, to have the words to say, boldness to say it, and to become like Christ. One of the words that my friend Rogov shared with Chris was that there are strongholds that God wants to set people free of tonight. I know that our our battle against sin and temptation is a battle that's fought in day-to-day discipline and accountability, sometimes the deep work of counseling and healing and all those things. But I can testify again and again, in addition to all those things, the breakthrough power of God can step into a life and set people free supernaturally. And what that often looks like is not that there's no longer a fight, but it changes the fight. Do you know what I mean? Like you still have to wake up the next day and decide not to, for example, look at pornography. It's still a fight, we're surrounded by it. You still have the, your past wounds, your longing for intimacy, all that's still at play. But when the supernatural power of God steps in, it changes the dynamics of the fight. And I've heard that testimony again and again and again. I've experienced that reality of God coming into a life and changing the fight. The Holy Spirit gives us the character of Christ. He convicts us of sin, John chapter 16 says. The Holy Spirit also gives us spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. Paul the pastor says, I don't want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then Paul goes on to describe different gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural power of God at work in his people. To do what? To proclaim the gospel, to help deliver people from evil, to set people free, to build out faith, to call out destiny. We need gifts activated in the body of Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to do the ministry, both one to another and to the world that God loves and sends us. The Holy Spirit gives us power to resist sin. Galatians chapter 5 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The Holy Spirit gives us power for multiplication. Jesus takes the disciples' offerings of bread and fish, and he blesses them, and they begin to multiply. The Spirit gives us power for perseverance. It's God's empowering presence. It's God giving us power to do the Christian life. And it's presence. It's him with us. 
you're not alone. When I was in high school, I came to the conclusion that I was a missionary in my high school. I came to the conclusion that I was all these 2,000 kids pastor. And I was often overwhelmed. And uh, I would find myself walking into the locker decorated missions field that was my high school. And I'd have to remind myself, I'm not alone. Not only did I have brothers and sisters in Christ who we'd meet together to pray before school once a week, but the Lord was with me. Tomorrow morning, I hope this is every day, but at least Monday morning after Pentecost, I pray when you walk into your school, when you walk into the place you work, when you walk out of your room and see your roommates, when whatever, you step into life tomorrow, that you would know you are not alone. God is with you. The Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. And when we realize this gift of the helper that God sent, God's empowering presence, God himself coming alongside us for intimacy and help, and we have this power at work in our life that we're not alone, there's an option, okay? This is the option. We can do the Christian life leaning on our own strength, or we can lean all of our weight on the Holy Spirit. We can try to do the Christian walk leaning on our own strength. Some of you know that feeling. Or you can do the Christian walk leaning all of your weight on the Holy Spirit, God's empowering presence. And what I want to do before we transition to a time ministry is I want to ask you to ask yourself, am I doing the Christian walk 100% leaning on the strength of the Holy Spirit? Are you, like me, falling into that, like, self-reliance? Or are you finding yourself wholly dependent on God's power? And I've made a little quiz that's mostly built on my personality. So I just want to acknowledge that this might not connect with everyone. But there's four signs in my life when I'm doing the Christian life on my own strength, not on the strength of the Holy Spirit. Four signs. And so you can listen to these four things and ask yourself along the way, like, is that you? Is that you? Is that me? That kind of thing. Is that okay? So this is not, this is like just me as a friend saying, here are four signs I see in my life. First, when I'm leaning on my own strength versus leaning on the power of God, I notice a lack of intimacy with God in my life. It's one of the first things I notice. Now, I'm still doing the Christian stuff. I might even be like doing my devotional time, but there's not intimacy with God. I find that I think more about what I'm doing for God and my behavior in light of God than the person himself. The first thing I notice when I'm leaning on my own strength is lack of intimacy. I focus more on what I accomplish than who I'm becoming. I think more about the task of Christianity than the person of Jesus. And I know when I'm leaning on the Holy Spirit, my primary prayer is, God, I want to be with you. And it's just such such a subtle thing in my life where I can just notice, oh, intimacy with God is waning. And I just wonder if there's anyone else here where you just acknowledge, like, I'm not saying you've gone off the rails. Maybe you have. There's lots of grace. There's lots of mercy. Come receive prayer tonight. But probably most likely is just like me, you found over time just the intimacy with God, that just, that just pure desire. I just want to walk with him. I just want to be with him. I just want, of course, like, where things, and then things become duty instead of opportunity and intimacy. 
just happens so subtly. So the first thing I notice is a lack of intimacy. Second, I notice a lack of intercession. And I know intercession might not be a word that you use often, but intercession is this invitation to pray on behalf of a person or a city or a family or a cause, to stand before God and say, God, you see Vancouver, and I just want to bring Vancouver to your attention. And I know you love this city, and so demonstrate your love for the city. Intercession sounds like you know my brother or my niece or my cousin or my friend at work, and they don't know your love. And so, God, I'm bringing them in front of you. I'm saying, would you see them and reveal yourself to them? Intercession. Intercession is the heart of a child who knows the power and heart of the Father. And I notice for me, when I'm leaning on my own strength, and we see this at the church all the time, I can be in meeting after meeting, planning all this stuff, but not praying about it. How sinister is that? Let's do a Pentecost gathering. It'd be sweet, do some music, do the stuff. We want God to meet with people, great. Let's go do the work. Do not pray. And it's just subtle self-reliance. But that doesn't just happen to pastors. It happens to all of us. So first sign for me, lack of intimacy. Maybe you've experienced that. Second is a lack of intercession. All of a sudden, praying for God to show up just begins to slow down in my life. Maybe that's happened for you. Third sign of self-dependency, not leaning on the Holy Spirit, is a lack of joy. And again, this might just be me, but I notice that when I'm doing it on my own strength, I can be in church, God can be moving in people's lives. I can be ministering to my neighbors. I can be doing the stuff, but there's just no joy. Just lost the joy. I think there's lots of reasons for that. Maybe it's because of comparison sneaks in, and all of a sudden the thing that I'm tending seems insignificant in light of someone else. Maybe it's fear or scarcity that sneaks in that sucks my joy, all that worry about tomorrow, all that desire to control. Maybe it's my selfishness. It could be any number of things. But I've just noticed when I'm in self-sufficiency, I lose the joy. But when I am wholly trusting in God, there's intimacy, there's intercession, and there's joy. And it's a beautiful thing. Because you can have joy. Like, there's just been moments in ministry, in life. Like, I remember one time, going door to door trying to invite all my neighbors to come out to like some Christmas production at our church and everyone said no like no one came one person complained about how many cars we park in our driveway well I've got you here and they and I remember just going back to the house with my buddy Chris and it was just so fun to do it together we just laughed so much about it and I've just realized like there is an invitation to carry even serious matters in ministry with a joy. It's my favorite moments in doing ministry. It doesn't matter if it's successful by human standards or a total disaster. When you're betting on the Lord, you're like, God, you're doing it, not me. And all of my best plans and all of my best efforts wouldn't be enough anyways. It brings a lightness and a joy. Is there anyone here you've lost the joy in the ministry? You've lost the joy in following Jesus? Lastly, for me, Lack of imagination. I stop dreaming. I stop thinking about the future. And if I do, it's really grim. 
I find when I'm leaning on my own strength, I lose all imagination. Well, let me put it in the positive. Imagine for the disciples after they experienced Jesus multiplying the bread and the fish, what that did to their imagination, right? Because up until that point, they couldn't imagine that kind of thing. And now they're just, they're thinking about everything differently. Like, like wherever they go, they're just seeing like, what could Jesus do with this? Can you imagine living life with the wonder of infinite potential in Jesus? You could be in the most dark circumstances. I mean, like Jesus, the, the disciples saw him raise the dead, cast out demons, set people free, multiply scarce resources. So in our human effort, when resources are scarce, or there's been sin against you, and you've lost your job, or something door shut, all of a sudden you look at the future, and there's no imagination. It's hopelessness. But when you lean on the Holy Spirit fully, whew, this would be just the kind of moment that he could take all of this brokenness and do something amazing. And I'm not trying to give you a pep talk tonight. I'm trying to give you a diagnosis. At least for me, when I stop dreaming, when I stop interceding, when I lose the intimacy and I lose the joy, it's a sign that I've been leaning on my own strength. And then there's this joyous invitation. God, I've come to the end of myself. I want to lean wholly on you. And that's what we're going to do for the rest of the night. Give ourselves an opportunity to respond. And in just a moment, I'll give us some instructions on prayer. The worship team will lead us in more worship. But can we just take a moment just to, to wait? Just have some stillness. Maybe you want to bow your head and close your eyes and just ask yourself this question. Do any of those four things apply to you? What would it look like for you just to lean your weight over onto the Holy Spirit? Say, God, forgive me for leaning on my own strength or understanding. I want to just experience the joy and freedom of leaning on you. God's empowering presence. Not alone. The helper is with you. Joy. Intimacy. Imagination, wonder. I'll actually just take a moment just to pray for each of those things. I think that there's lots of ways that we can pray tonight. I think that in this next kind of moment, I think we need to move our bodies a little bit. We need to respond. And so in just a moment, we'll open up the front. If you're in a Pentecostal context, you might call it an altar. I'm, I'm cool with that. You might do an altar call. But right now, I might just get you to shoot up your hands. I'm not going to make you stand or move. But we'll just respond to these things specifically. If you're anyone here and 
You don't have to respond to these, but if you're saying, hey, what really hits for me is I've noticed in my life a lack of intimacy, and I just want to acknowledge that before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to just restore intimacy with God, that like, I just want to be with Him intimacy. Would you shoot up your hand, just eyes closed and heads are bowed, just put your hand up, lots of hands, just hold it up for a little bit longer, I just want to pray for you. God, you see every single hand, my hand included, and I'm just asking Holy Spirit, restore intimacy to each one of us. God, give us that first love fire. God, help us return to the love that we had at first. God, when we first fell in love with you, the way we used to sing songs, like I could sing of your love forever, and it literally felt like we could. God, we're committed to being faithful, regardless of a feeling of passion, but we would love it if you would rekindle that passion in our heart. And so for every hand up right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come? Fill them with your love. Fill them afresh, the love of God poured out into your heart. If you could see his love for you, it would reignite your love for him. Holy Spirit, come now. Restore intimacy to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. And forgive me if you're like me, you're going to have your hand up all four times. That would be me. Um, But we're just going to do all four. If you're here, and you want to confess before God a lack of intercession, or you just stop praying for transformation. You stop praying like that God would move a mountain. We just shoot up your hand, just say, yeah, I just want to acknowledge I've just, I haven't been, I haven't been doing that. And, and there's no guilt or shame here. This is just an invitation for the Holy Spirit. Intercession is a response of dependency. And it's a response to the heart of God. And so God, my hand is up as well. And I pray that you would put like a salt-like thirst on our hearts for transformation in our world that leads us to a desperate intercession. God, I pray in our church and every other church represented here that we would be a praying church. We wouldn't be a going through the motions church. We wouldn't be, well, we're just content with whatever church. We would be desperate hunger for you and your power to move in our time and our land. And God, I just confess myself just to the sin of prayerlessness. And I just receive your mercy and grace right now. And God, we believe you do great things and you've done great things and you long to do great things. And we want to be part of it. So we receive the invitation to pray. Make us a prayerful people. God, help us in our planning. But don't let us plan without praying. Let us be a people of prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. And this one, I want to be more specific on joy. I don't want to just pray for a lack of joy in general. I know that that might be a real response, and there's going to be time for you to receive prayer, and Daryl mentioned that already. I want to pray specifically joy in the work. So this is for, all, and I think all of your ministers, but this is like whether you're leading in a small group, you're serving in kids' ministry, loving your neighbor. It doesn't have to be a church program for it to be ministry, but think about the work of ministry like serving God, sharing your faith, loving your neighbor, preaching, whatever it is that you do, whatever ministry looks like. 
and if the joy's been sucked out of it, I want to pray for you. If you feel like I'm, I'm ministering, maybe you're faithful, maybe you've thought about throwing in the towel, but you're like, the, I've just lost the joy. Just shoot up your hand. I just want to pray for each of you. Oh, there's lots of us. So Jesus, you see us, and this is what I'd ask, Holy Spirit, that you would, by your grace, bring us to a place where we find the freedom of dependence on you. The picture is this, everyone hands up. The picture is co-laboring with your friend Jesus. That when you put your hand to the plow, you look right and he's there with a much bigger plow. And he's almost grinning, being like, I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad you came to work alongside me. I'll do all the heavy lifting. Just keep alongside. It's the joy of intimacy with him as you work alongside. And so God, for every hand up right now, I pray, Jesus, restore unto us the joy of serving you. We will be found faithful. We're not gonna throw in the towel. We will persevere in your strength. But I pray for the gift of joy, the gift of joy as we depend on you. And then lastly, I wanna pray for all of us who feel like we lost the dreaming, the wonder, the what if. What if God could save a city? What if God could renew my workplace? What if God can move in generations after me? What if God could make a way where there seems to be no way? What if God could bless my business? What if God could bless the ideas in my heart? What if God could restore that relationship? What if God could bring healing and reconciliation? What if God, what if God, what if God? If you feel like you've lost the ability to dream, would you shoot up your hand? God, I pray that you would give us a dependence on you and a wonder that leads to dreaming. I pray even now you would release imagination for what's possible with you. I just pray in this place you would just release the gift of just, what if God could bless this? What if God could multiply this? And God, I pray that our dreams would be like incense before you. They would be like an honoring aroma before you that we would dream in a way that honors the living God. Restore dreaming in this place. Imagination, wonder. What if God, in Jesus' name.